You're listening to Ambition Without Compromise, the podcast that is planting a flag for women of color who are ready to unapologetically center their unique vision, personal legacy, joy, and wholeness in the pursuit of the next level in their business and careers. I am your host, Monique Shields. I'm an executive coach, entrepreneur, mom, wife, and champion of badass moguls in the making. Let's dive in. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode. Y'all, I'm learning so much. I guess I'm constantly learning so much, but I am, I am really growing. Like, I don't know. I I love some of the challenges that this season has presented me with, some of the big questions I've had to answer, some of the huge confronting that I've needed to do, tying this back to my little self. um, I had an incredible set of conversations over the last few weeks that have brought me, they were confronting conversations that have brought me closer to myself and some deeper knowing about truths and beliefs that I've been holding about the world that are connected to like my little middle school self and, you know, her sense of belonging and her yearning and really a settling. So I'm in a coaching session with my coach And I'm talking to her about some of the things that I'm going through and thinking about. And we land on the fact that I have had a personal trauma that's been triggered by this circumstance. And it's not the first time, but it was just like it's at a level where it felt like particularly like disorienting and kind of I wouldn't say debilitating, but like almost close to that. Like I felt, you know, when you ruminate. And it feels like you just cannot really make progress or on other things and feel like really productive and really just feel like back in your f- body and flow and with your feet on the ground. Like that's where I was for like a, a solid 72 hours, let's call it. And what we uncovered was that I have an instinct in me because I did not necessarily experience the kind of belonging that I wanted to experience you know, through those middle school, y'all, middle school was a time for trauma. I don't, <laughs> anyone who had a blissful and delightful middle school sort of, you know, that like, let's call it fifth through eighth grade. I don't know if everybody carves up middle school differently. That that time of life, like that was tumultuous, y'all. <laughs> Emotionally tumultuous because you're just going through so many changes and everybody is so insecure and trying to like figure out how to make this leap from being a child to being an adolescent. And wow. (laughs) But at that time, I remember being like fifth grade-esque around there, fifth, sixth grade, somewhere around there. And starting into the middle school, so leaving the elementary school, starting this middle school and the Black girls there, I had like a couple of friends that had come up with me from the elementary school. But then there were like these other girls who I didn't know who were in my grade and maybe the grade ahead of me. And for them, I wasn't, I wasn't black enough. I wasn't cool enough. And, you know, there's this, um, this is something that I think a lot of, I hear a lot from black women who came up in white spaces where, yeah, you're constantly negotiating your racial identity because people need you to you know, homogenize, if that's a word, (laughs) in order for them to feel safe. And again, we're children, we're children, we're children. So in this time, you know, of like 
exponential development and just like a lot of inner turmoil and just figuring my little self out. I developed, you know, it struck me as some, my my coach called, she's like, you know, that's a trauma. Like why this comes to mind and why it was triggered and why it became so debilitating when this thing got triggered with you this past weekend. And from that place, I recognized just like the global impact, like globally across our lives, not globally, physically, like geographically global, but like the global universal kind of impact that being denied belonging can have on us, has had on me. And what I was doing for survival was assuming that I can't presume that belonging would be available to me, especially in spaces with groups of Black women, and saying, well, if I can't be long, if I can't be loved, I'll be respected. And I'm so grateful to my parents and whatever other contributing factors there were in my own spirit and in the world and, you know, God on high for the fact that my basement was that people would respect me, you know, in the absence of belonging and looking for and embracing and trusting that belonging was available to me, that at the very least, I didn't go seeking anything beneath basic respect. Like if I, if I can, I didn't think you could respect me. You start acting crazy. <laughs> I, I wanted no parts of you. Like I, I never, I never struggled with that as a kid. And I never really struggled with that as an adult. I don't keep people around me that feel disrespectful, um, immediately repelled. But how sad is that? And I had to come to terms with these feelings. How sad is that to deny yourself such a core aspect of the human experience the pleasure of that. I mean, the, it's you have to make yourself vulnerable in order to experience it. But like I shut that part of myself off a long time ago. And it really does reside in groups because the work that I know I've done, and I've talked about this in past episodes where I was talking about um, the importance of, you know, fostering depth in our connections with other women and the things that I've done over the years. I was doing that in more of a, I've been doing that in more of a one-on-one fashion since my twenties. I graduated, moved to New York and realized that this was a thing for me and that I was going to solve this. Even though I had gone to Spelman College with all of these women, I had not walked away with a depth of bond with people that I wanted and would have, I guess, expected and that that required retraining and reworking and me like observing. I have wonderful women in my life, who are still in my life, um, who set an example for how to do that. And so I did. I I feel I felt really good about the one-on-one bonds that I was able to connect. But when it came to like a group that was going to embrace me and I'm like a part of the group, inside the group, outside the group, <laughs> that was that's something that I, I don't think I realized was still a thing for me or that I didn't realize that was like a separate thing. Anyway, I, I, I worked through this. I allowed myself to feel one of the things my coach said to me is like, you know, a big important part of our core and important part of this work for you is to allow yourself to feel that you want to belong, to feel the wanting, to feel the desire. Like you can allow yourself to feel that, that it's okay, that you deserve to want that as opposed to just saying, well, I'm not going to assume that I belong, but I will assume respect. And how to, you know, when one of the ways that we can think of respect, like a proxy for it, that can be sort of symbolic, I guess, of respect. Um, especially as a grown up, <laughs> is money. Is like, okay, well, if you are willing to transact with me, let's do business together, right? Then I can at least feel secure and assured that there is respect that exists between us, right? Because this is an offering of an exchange of actual resources and energy, right? So if you're giving me that, that I can work with, that I can find security and y'all, this shit runs deep. (laughs) 
So um, anyway, I had a full releasing, y'all. Just cried it out. My coach, um, so, so important. I know this makes me better for my clients as well. This makes me better for my child, my children. This makes me better in my relationship with my spouse, like coming across these things. But so I'm sharing all this, like this personal story, because I'm like kind of working backwards and or working, I guess, yeah, working backwards from what unraveled in me and how that also has connected to something that I'm witnessing with my clients and the women in my network, like just very powerful women. Like this is an episode for very powerful women, for women. And I'm not saying that just because like, oh, if the world says you're powerful, I'm saying women who, who know, you know, <laughs> you know. And sometimes, yes, you, you know, you need to fix your crown, your crown drops off, you forget where your throne is. That, yeah, sure. But like at the end of the day, you know, you're that girl, right? That kind of a powerful woman. And I am surrounded by this kind of woman. I have I have more and more over the course of my life attracted this kind of woman. I think that's part of maybe what makes it feel like intimidating to feel like I can belong and on more than a one-on-one basis, I should say. And what I recognize is that we're leaving our humanity out of the equation. I think we're settling for things like let me, which is there's your important thing as well, but let me get make sure that like I have a workout routine and I'm drinking my green juice and I have a therapy appointment, you know, like and the and this is not to minimize those things. OK, please invest in those ways. But I think the piece that is left out and that this is something that um, our white counterparts, I think at, at specific levels, maybe it's just because there's like greater Numbers, you know, in a world where in a, in a country specifically here in America where uh, we are the minority, um, maybe the numbers are there. Obviously, the resources and the power and influence is concentrated there. But they're leaning into this. They're leaning into creating space for their humanity as a core part of the formula for how we win. And I think especially in this moment in time when there's so much uncertainty with like instability around the world, atrocities being committed, full on genocides, like mass scale. Like, I mean, I don't even have to rattle off, right? Like all the stuff that is incredibly disheartening, disgusting that is going on in in our world. The erasure (laughs) of Black history, of American history, of truth, right? That especially in this day and age, we have got to cling to the things that bring us back into our humanity. We have got to. And when you're operating, like I said, this is an episode for the powerful woman, the woman who knows when you're operating at this level and you have big dreams, big aspirations, and you got the track record, you can look back and you can say like, look, <laughs> check my receipts. I do the things, right? I operate in a big way. I do the things and I have every intent of doing you know, what feels expansive, we'll call it, going forward. We're discounting this key aspect of what it looks like to grow and belong and make things happen as a fertile and loving collective. Like, let me talk to you about what I'm talking about, right? Let me, let me get into this. Y'all, y'all hang with me, right? You know I always get you somewhere, right? <laughs> so as you become more and more successful, the more wealth you have, the more seniority you occupy, the more visibility that you have, there are fewer and fewer spaces where you can be your own human self, your real, true, true blue 
honest and quirky full self, right? Because cameras are on, people are watching, your team is looking to you, everybody needs something from you. People don't always see you as human, right? Even those who are cheering for you, you know, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but there are people who are cheering us on from afar and our humanity is eroded in their eyes because we are at a distance and they all they see are the achievements. And it's like that you become less human in that way. And because of this, like, I think we see these examples. I was talking to my, my husband about this as well. He was like, yeah, you know, like the uber wealthy of the world, we hear about their secret societies and their weird ass parties and stuff, right? <laughs> Where they, they're getting together on the extreme ends, doing extreme things, right? Just to, because they're so unexpressed anywhere else, right? And I think there are other larger cultural questions and, you know, whatever, psychological things going on there. I'm not going to dig into all that because I'm not an expert on those things. But what I will say is that what is obvious is that energy has to flow. It has to go somewhere. And I think our humanity carries with it, you know, a, a tapestry of really critical energies, you know, our true personalities, our, yeah, like I said, our preferences, our quirks, our just us, who we actually are. There's that's an energy that is meant to be expressed. It is meant to flow. And when it is, it is caged in and bottled up because you are on a pedestal, you are on a platform, everybody is looking to you and you kind of have to button the shit up and you need to look a certain way. You need to say a certain thing. You need to, you know, even the most outspoken and um, raw and real, I think, leaders, they're still only able to give us slivers, right, of their full humanity. And they may be able to when they go home with a spouse or with their families, they may be able to, but many, many of y'all don't really even have that, not the fullness where it's like, I can get, I can show a piece with my spouse. I can show or a few pieces over here with, with my, you know, besties or my children or whatever, but like, A, they never get the full context of what it is that you're going through because they're not in it with you. It's not, it's just not the same. And B, not everybody has the capacity to, I don't know, I guess negotiate, you know, their own identities in the distance between like your reality and theirs with a personal security. I, I feel like I'm saying this in a really complicated way, but like people sometimes can't maintain their own self-esteem in your presence, right? There's all kinds of reasons why we just cannot show up as our full selves. That are, and then there's actual risk to the things that we're building. It's like, where can I actually go where there is confidential space, where everybody in this space actually has similar things at stake? And like, we, you know what I mean? Like, we all are bearing similar risk. We all are shooting at, you know, at, for similar heights. And where do you get that, right? So I've spoken about this. and the importance of finding community and like-minded aligned. And I know there's a lot of hurdles to, you know, actually doing this, but I think the purpose of this episode is how critical it is to have space where you can just be yourself, right? Because what is the value of being able to be your full self? The value is immeasurable. When you actually think about it, it is immeasurable. <laughs> the privilege of just being able to be who you are out loud in front of people, bare and real and raw, you to be you, that's immeasurable value, right? Along with that, you get to be genuinely expressed. You get to experience different levels of personal growth, right? You can't have personal growth 
if you're not even yourself, <laughs> if only parts of you are turned on, right? And a whole bunch, a whole shitload, you know, in terms of, you know, the aspects of what it is that you're dealing with, what you're coping with, what your fears are, what your hopes and dreams are, what your aspirations are, what your quirk, like if so much of that is suppressed, the the kind of growth you can experience is like off kilter, you know, it becomes distorted. The strength of your relationships, right? Because you can be yourself. You're not actually forming a relationship if you show up with a mask on, you're fake. <laughs> and I'm not saying this like in terms of like intentionally being air quote fake, right? You know, trying to put on airs. I'm saying like, because you have to withhold, right? For your own psychological safety, for your own, you know, self-care, I would say sometimes it's positioned that way in our minds in, in many instances. But how do you strengthen relationships for a place when you're not being your whole self? And then just just your overall well-being. Like, how do you just like, I don't know if y'all are aware of this. I think like the more and more years I've been a coach and the, the different somatic kind of experiences that I've had working with other coaches um, who have helped me get more in touch with my body. Right now, I've, y'all, I think I've mentioned that I'm working with an herbalist and who has been fantastic and a big part of what, you know, she, her encouragement is to me um, and I guess to all of her clients is to start with being present to your body as information. And so... There's a wholeness, there's a, there's a recognition of your full self, of your full being, of like, can I take a few breaths and actually notice like what parts of my body are not, something's off or heavy or not, you know, feels hot or cold or dead, you know, like something, we have the ability to know these things. And I think being yourself means being in yourself, right? Having the permission to be in the fullness of yourself. It's a safe place. It should be, right? Because what, I mean, what's the value if we think about just safety alone? If all of these things, you know, being expressed and having, experiencing, you know, full, full spectrum personal growth and having, you know, the space to grow strength in your relationships, actually bond and connect with people and your overall well-being. If all of that is what gets you to a feeling of like safety and I think peace, then productivity turns into contribution, right? our obsessive focus on being productive, when we feel safe, that gets to become contribution, which is a lot more, um, I think it's from a more compassionate and loving and creative place that we we get to contribute, right? As opposed to produce, be productive. You can have similar outcomes, but a whole different, in terms of like tangible outcomes, but a whole different lived experience of it. When we're safe, we can go from being masked to exploring our true identities. Like our identities are ever evolving. And if we're not present to ourselves because we don't have the kind of safety that we actually need. And, and again, this safety I'm talking about is, is something that is held in company with other people, right? Where our humanity is being preserved. Then we get to discover, we get to be in the discovering and we get to be witnessed in that, which is one of the most powerful things that can exist for us. I also think that like the pursuit of approval and acceptance, right? Like seeking acceptance from other people. That gets to t- turn into a pursuit of pleasure and stepping into what I've brought up at the top of this episode, belonging, right? When we get to move from seeking approval and acceptance to seeking belonging and pursuing pleasure, you're unlocking next level stuff in your life, in your work, in every area of your existence, but we don't we don't honor this immense potential, right? I'm sitting here talking about things that I I, I know y'all know. Like this is not 
this is not rocket science what I'm talking about here, right? I'm, I'm not presenting some big scientific breakthrough, okay? This is basic stuff where it's just like, we need to go and be in spaces where we know we need to invest in being in these spaces. We need to do this for ourselves. And these are the reasons why, right? For your mind, your body, your spirit. But we don't honor, and I use the word immense, like really intentionally. We don't honor the immense potential. We don't treat these spaces as essential, right? I think, you know, best case scenario, we'll treat it as like nice to have. Nice to have when I can, something that I can, I, I feel the benefit from, but it's a nice to have. I don't prioritize this. I don't ruthlessly prioritize this as essential, you know? And I think, you know, and it's worst case, sometimes it's like, it's not even really a nice to have, it's a frivolous indulgence. And I think that's like the worst way to hold this. But I think many of us do maybe subconsciously think this way, feel this way about taking time to invest, taking resources to invest in being in space like this. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's indulgent. You know, it's dessert. It's not, (laughs) I could take it or leave it. It fits, it's gooey, gooey and sweet when it happens, sure, but I don't need it. And I'm talking about moving from indulgence or nice to haves to essential. That is the argument I'm making today. And I think really what gets in the way of us making this shift in perspective is that we are so insistent upon surviving. Now, this is the point in this episode where I bake in the caveat, which I always do, this disclaimer, that I am talking to those of us who have privilege, who have privilege that our educations maybe are the money that we have been able to make, the spaces that we're able to move in, the access that we have, right? The connections, the network. We are still, with all of that, insistent upon surviving, right? A survivor prioritizes survival investments, investments that are tangible, investments that are practical, investments that harken back to, you know, these like kind of primal and primary, you know, aspects of just being alive as a human, food, shelter, water, right? What's going to just get me to the bottom line? What is something that's just going to move, you know, move me from one goalpost to the next? But you are by all, at least nearly all metrics, thriving. You have long surpassed a state of surviving and you're actually thriving, right? I'm not saying your life is perfect. I am not saying that you don't still have very human struggles, but look at your life. Look at the access you have. Look at the choice you have. Look at the comforts you have. You're more than good. You're more than good. And I think this, this, is, this is the hard part in all of this, right? In this battle to move into what it looks like to truly thrive is that it feels frivolous to give to the thriving when you so intimately know surviving, when you have a longer history with surviving or just a a more intimate or deeper tie, like a tethering to surviving, it is so hard to let that go and give to thriving, to invest in thriving. It's an above and beyond investment. That's what it feels like. What I'm arguing today is that it is actually a core and basic and fundamental investment. This is the primary investment right? Because we will practically be like Robin Hooding ourselves, right? (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, I'm going to steal from the rich and give back to the poor. I'm really focused on, I'm not saying outwardly, I'm talking about this is an internal experience. Like 
I'm going to try to feed and fuel the survivor in me because that's my attention is still on her. I still feel scared for her. I see her and I'm like, I can't, I can't let her go. I cannot see what is actually unfolding, what is the truth of my reality here today and what it requires for me to thrive and how core and essential this new posture around prioritizing my humanity is because I need to steal from that rich part of myself to make sure I'm still funneling, I'm squirreling away money. <laughs> I'm squirreling away opportunity for the just in case for her. You know, I'm still, I, I'm not even going to talk dollar amounts, but I know some of, some of y'all have, some of y'all have a real rainy day fund. You know what I mean? Locked up, it might be a, as a part of, you know, the, the broader assets that you have sitting on multiple properties, having investments in the public markets, private investments, maybe like all kinds of stuff going on. And yet, and still we're moving from this place where we don't trust it. And we are so, so again, insistent upon surviving. But imagine what it could look like to feed the richest parts of you. I know that that can feel wild because it's like (laughs) when you spend so long not being the air quote rich person, and I'm not saying, you know, I I just, rich is a triggering word and which is why I'm using it, right? Because nobody wants to be the evil rich person. It's like, there's this whole narrative that exists around acquiring wealth and becoming like weird and dissociated from like the realities (laughs) of the rest of the world and becoming greedy and awful and cruel which is not even on the table because of the level of concern you have for not becoming that person lets you know you're not going to be that person. But what if you found a way to not demonize this thriving part of yourself and to say, I've got to feed her. I've got to feed her. I got to feed the rich. I know that that might feel weird, (laughs) but this is the leap we have to make. So what this looks like is the difference between saying, I'm feeding the poor So I'm going to take on this project and ignore seeing my family and friends, knowing that I want to be around these family. I'm not saying we all need to be around (laughs) everybody. Some some of us got things going on. We all do stuff going on with our families. But I'm saying for the people that we love, let's just place it that way. Moving from, from that poverty state, you know, moving away from agreeing to a schedule that you know stresses you the hell out when you just want to rest, when you need to rest, to make your rest the need, right? This is a way that we are feeding the rich by responding to a need for rest, not an option to rest. That is surviving. When rest is an option, it's because you are in a state of survival. And some people, some of us have been, and some people are. And that is okay to be where you are, but that's, that's the argument here is to be where you actually are, right? So, and you know what, another, I, another example I want to put out here is the ways in which we will invest on behalf of our surviving, and I think confuse it for our thriving, when we give tons and tons of dollars, thousands upon thousands of our dollars, throwing bags at these rich white bro spaces, that we will invest tons and tons of money to be in rooms, to be a part of memberships and clubs where we are not represented, where this experience is exceptionally shallow, where there may be, you know, some interesting tactics and some just new ways of thinking that we do need to get some access to, but how we will spend, and I'm not saying that you, we have to broaden our horizons. There are, there are times to do this, but what we do is we place that on a pedestal, on a pedestal and, and call that 
this is me investing in my thriving. And it's not. It is a survival tactic. And we have to do that sometimes when we were in a state of survival. And then we got to and then we got to set that down. We have to know its place. (laughs) And we'll do that. And we tapped out on being able to invest in like, I want to go on a retreat with my girls and or my or form a group with my business besties. And we'll bring in the resources that we really want to have there. We're going to invest in our collective thriving together in a space where we can, I can actually feel like my whole human self, where I don't have to pretend to be what I have to pretend to be when I'm in these other spaces, that I am throwing bags, that I am, I am handing over so much capital and so much energy because of the way I have to like do these dances or at least like not react every time somebody has some microaggressive thing. Like we are, we are putting ourselves in those circumstances and I want you to understand that those are, those are sacrifices for survival. Those are not investments in your thriving, that they fall in a different category. Investment in your thriving is going and, and being drawn to and investing in spaces where you can actually be your full self. Where the fullest potential in you has a chance of being realized, has a chance of getting a breath of fresh freaking air. So that is my word for today, y'all. <laughs> This is a rough landing. I, I'm just I'm just gonna bring it to a hard close because this is this is what's required. It's a, I'm gonna keep talking about various aspects of this, but I just I don't know like the personal experiences that I just kind of went through around this belonging and just like how critical and essential like this essential part of me that really needs that and how I was like fighting that and like de- defaulting to this. Um, survival instinct of like making things transactional, which is also another thing I'm discovering about myself this year in terms of my own thriving is that, you know, I have to lean into feminine energy. That is my, that is the mandate (laughs) on my energy this year, which is an energy around attraction and connection, right? That lends itself very much to, you know, relaxing into belonging and, and embracing, um, embracing, yeah, belonging and being held and connected and all of that stuff, right? And so, you know, I just felt like it connected to a a broader trend that I see with us where we will deny ourselves what is basically, like I said, food, air, water, (laughs) shelter, these humanizing spaces, because we don't believe that it is the most critical, most essential element to our thriving. I have seen it. I have seen it. This is what I do (laughs) for a living. I have seen what can happen when like-minded, powerful people, powerful women, powerful black and women, you know, I focus on women of color and black women in particular, get together, invest the time and show up, like show up in their fullness to just be real. What kinds of deals get brokered out of that? What kinds of opportunities get created out of that? What kind of active, like activation around just like creativity? What kind of energetic spark comes from that, right? We be wandering through the earth all alone. Like I just got to wait and figure it out and, <laughs> and hope that I land on the thing. And sometimes we do need time. We need to, our brain needs time to consolidate the experiences that we have gone through. I'm not saying you need to like rush and like this is some quick solve for like, I am saying that this is a way of existing that we need to, we need to, you know, the same way when you have like, I don't know, eggs and milk and bread or whatever as like the baseline for your grocery list. This is the baseline, for your humanity list, right? Investing in 
spaces that uphold your humanity is investing in your thriving, which is owning exactly where you actually are, as opposed to falling back into old ways that um, feel scared to prioritize your you know, thriving. Your survivor self is, is really scared to prioritize these things. But this is the way forward. And I, I have seen, I, let, me, let me tell you, I have seen things in my time doing this work. I've worked in a lot of different kinds of spaces, white, multi-ethnic, racial, you know, whatever. And I, and I people of insane means, like <laughs> insane, like I, you know, I'm not going to get into all the specifics, but I do see that there is a disparity between the way that we, the people of color of us, will move and prioritize and the way our white counterparts do. And I'm just, I'm taking a note from them and I, I'm hoping that I can clarify because it is layered for us. This stuff runs deep. I hope that this has like shed some light from my perspective on why maybe it does feel so hard or, you know, elusive, but it's a necessary shift. And your wealth will follow your humanity if you prioritize your humanity first, okay? All right, y'all. Ooh, I can't wait to listen back to this episode. I hope that this spoke to someone today. I hope that this serves as always. Like this is a message from a place of pure, pure, unadulterated service. I really hope that this upholds somebody today or that this turns somebody around or that it, it affirms someone in an instinct that maybe is growing in you that, you know, you should follow this, pull on that thread, right? Follow that instinct to get your highest needs met and to turn some things around in terms of how you are prioritizing for your own thriving and scaling up that humanity as you scale up your wealth. All right, y'all. Until next time. Y'all, truly, thank you for listening to Ambition Without Compromise. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts so more women like you can discover us. I'd also love to engage with you more real time. If you're on social media, come follow me on Instagram at Monique R. Shields. Don't forget that R. You can also access my newsletter at MoniqueRShields.com forward slash newsletter to receive bi-weekly gems on the best and most impactful lessons I'm learning in my many roles in both life and as a coach to powerhouse women across the country. Again, that's MoniqueRShields.com forward slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.